This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, signing day time. Remember when this was a lot bigger deal time? That's okay. We do have some things to discuss time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the GoVols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a Wednesday evening. Nice, chilly below freezing Wednesday evening in Knoxville. And of course it's below freezing. So it's not nice. I just thought it was a nice thing to say it was nice, but that's okay. We got plenty to discuss on this episode. We did a little, uh, hoop stuff earlier in the weekend. Uh, clearly we need to at some point discuss that just absolute debacle of a second half Tennessee had last night against Ole Miss, the 11th ranked balls falling 52 to 50. Ugh, that should be a halftime score. We'll have plenty to discuss about that later in the week, though. We're going to talk about that, talk about Kentucky, all kinds of other stuff. We're going to keep it to football today, and since it's football recruiting, it means we're going to go across town to the clown car full of children abode of Goval's 24-7 recruiting editor, Ryan Callahan. Ryan, what's up, man? Oh, not much. Just, uh, yeah, getting the getting the clown car off to bed and uh <laughs> or everyone in the clown car off to bed and, uh, and, and getting this uh, signing day wrapped up, which was – Maybe a little more eventful than we expected, but still, like you said, just not at all what people are used to doing back when they had, you know, viewing parties and all that on signing day. It's just, it's just not the same, and I, and and some people will never get used to it, and I, I totally understand that. But at least we did have some news today. Yeah, and, and candidly, you know, the, the, there was there was some news today, but but there was such a relatively small amount of news compared to signing days of old that I wasn't positive we were going to do a podcast tonight or just drop it on Thursday because there was just, it's just not, you know, December is the signing day now. It, it, it Let's, let's be honest about that. Now there's still plenty going on for a lot of people in the traditional signing period. Um, but with Tennessee, with the coaching change, just did not look like there was going to be much today. There were a couple of, of bits of news, though. One, uh, not much of a surprise at all. Chase McGrath, um, who we'd heard earlier in the week, uh, was going to transfer from USC to Tennessee to replace uh, the outgoing Brent Samaglia, I suppose. This was a guy who um, was, you know, an honorable mention all Pac-10 guy uh, two years ago at, at USC. I think 32 of 42 career uh, field goals, 118 of 119 PATs in career with a long of 52 and, and just got had a tendonitis issue, I believe, last year and ended up uh, someone younger, uh, ended up taking the job. So he wanted somewhere to go for his final season, and he's going to go to Tennessee. We'll discuss him in a minute. Um, but discussing, I guess, first off, uh, what was, you know, at least you know not long before he signed, uh, was surprising news for Tennessee. There was an addition, Ryan. What can you tell us about uh, Jeremiah Crawford, the big O-lineman out of Kansas? 
Yeah, like you said, uh, not not a name that had gotten out there. Certainly, that the Tennessee had been working on. But once you uh, you know, and, and we sort of started to catch wind a little bit before this was announced uh, that that it was that it was maybe happening. Um, but but it, it makes makes perfect sense when you look at it uh, that, that Jeremiah Crawford ended up uh, following Josh Heupel's uh, staff essentially to Tennessee because this was a staff that recruited him pretty hard over the past nine plus months, uh, almost ten months, I, I guess, but um, since since UCF offered Crawford back in April of last year. And, uh, and so they were, they were very familiar with him. Uh, you know, that this is not a, a guy who was committed to UCF, but he was heavily enough involved with them that there was a good relationship. Tennessee quickly reached out to him after Josh Heupel's hiring. And this is, this is why, this is kind of why we said you can't rule out a surprise on, on signing day, even though word didn't really get out about this. Uh, Crawford never tweeted about having an offer from Tennessee. So it, it kind of stayed under the radar um, Hype probably liked it that way because there were some other teams that frankly were caught off guard by Tennessee signing him. Uh, Baylor had been heavily involved in recruiting him for a while and was thought to be maybe the favorite at one point. Uh, they had a coaching change that led to their, or, or a staff change, their offensive line coach that he had a close relationship with got fired. And the, I don't know if it was the new offensive line coach or someone there was sort of evaluating him still. And, and they maybe weren't ready to sign him just yet. So they were talking about maybe looking at him this spring Kansas State, meanwhile, had been on him really hard, and he goes to a, uh, um, a Kansas Junior College, Butler Community College in, in El Dorado, Kansas. And so since he's right there in Kansas State's backyard, they've pushed for him for a long time. They were caught off guard by Tennessee being the destination today, from what I understand. So this was a nice uh, sort of uh, under-the-radar uh, sneaky little addition for Tennessee, and it's a guy that might end up playing uh, pretty early in his Tennessee career if things go well for him. We'll have to see about that, but there's certainly – a need for tackle depth at the very least. And given the loss of Wanye Morris, and at least for right now, Jameer Johnson, who's still in the transfer portal, there's at least a path to early playing time. If a guy like Crawford can, can come onto campus and, and prove himself right away, but six foot six, 315 pounds, good at athleticism. There's a lot to like about him on film and just his resume so far and a lot of upside as well. So I think this is a nice, nice addition for Tennessee. And obviously they needed more offensive line help in this class really only signed two surefire offensive linemen in this class, maybe a third in Amari McNeil, a, a two-way lineman who could play on either side of the line of scrimmage. So you've got either three or four linemen in this class and with losing some of the transfer portal in the draft that they, they probably needed to hit that position a little bit more. So I think a nice, uh, nice way to use one of those few remaining spots by getting in some, some junior college help who will be here in the summer. Yeah, and it can be tough because you know, your junior college offensive lineman you're traditionally thought of as a plug and play guy, or, or else why would you, you know, why would you use your your final whatever one two three years of eligibility? I guess it'd be two or three if you're coming from a JUCO. You know, why would you why would you waste that time? I mean, you want to you want to go somewhere you can play, and, and clearly this is a, a young man who feels like he has an opportunity at Tennessee, and I I can't blame him for that. You know, we'll see what happens with Jameer Johnson, um, but certainly losing Wanye Morris. And frankly, just looking at the subpar play of Tennessee's offensive tackles in general, you know, Jameer Johnson's probably been the most consistent guy of the bunch for a couple of years now uh, at that spot. And, and we don't know what's going to happen with him. He's, he's still in the portal for now. So I guess you, you, you don't want to assume he's gone, but it's probably best to prepare for him being gone. And then if he 
decides to come back, that's that's even better. Um, but you know, you look at this guy. I mean, it, on tape, I mean, it, it, you can. It's tough to tell sometimes with JUCO tape, but there are some good players at that Kansas JUCO level. Looks like a pretty solid player to me. Six five. I think um, we've got him at three fifteen. I think Tennessee's official release put him at three hundred. Tough to tell. Mm-hmm. I can see either one of those being true. Um, but he's not certainly. I mean, when let, let's be honest about this. If you're a Tennessee fan right now, you're you're getting news that Alabama, which just won yet another national championship, has signed what we consider at twenty four seven sports our analysts to be the greatest class ever assembled since we've been calculating these things. So you, you see Tennessee adding a three star JUCO offensive lineman from Kansas, and you go, oh well, that's you know Bama's shaking in their boots now. You know, so I, I get the sense of of you know kind of a, this being a little bit of a letdown, but when you consider the things that you have to go through when you are, uh, when you're sort of rebuilding, you know, when, when you are going from one kind of football to another, when you've got a new staff in town, you know, that they play offense the way they want to play it. And this was a guy that Heupel had been recruiting for almost a year. So, I mean, it's, you got to take guys like this, don't you? I mean, you, you don't really have a choice. Yeah, absolutely. And, and and let's face it, they just needed another body on the offensive line, if nothing else, at some point. It needed to be somebody either from the transfer portal or, you know, someone capable of maybe stepping in and helping early because of what they've just lost. And, and Wanye Morris and Jameer Johnson, and let's not forget Trey Smith and Brandon Kennedy having gone to the to the mm-hmm. NFL or, or, or whatever's next for those guys as well. So that that's some that's, that's a lot to replace in one year. And And they obviously have some young guys who can maybe step in and fill the voids there, particularly at the interior positions, but just not as many options and certainly not as many proven options at the tackle spots. It's to the point right now that I think if you were making a depth chart going into the season, you would probably have to pencil in Cade Mays as one of the starting tackles at this yeah, point. You have to. Uh, maybe, the, maybe the starting left tackle with Darnell Wright at right tackle. And thankfully for Tennessee, Wright has decided to stay at least for now. So that's uh, that, that was big news considering the tackle uh, situation on the roster. But uh, th- this was big for that reason. It's also big because, as you said, it's a guy they had evaluated for long enough and recruited long enough that they clearly liked him and thought he fit their system. And while you're not – I don't think you're radically changing the types of offensive linemen you're recruiting, but we know Jeremy Pruitt's staff had a tendency to go after road grader types of guys on the yes, offensive line. Yes, they big, signed big a dudes, lot of big dudes. Three, yeah, 320-plus uh, was very common for signees before they got onto campus. And, and William Parker from Nashville – part of the signing class who just got on campus. He certainly fits that description. He could play tackle. He could play guard. A lot of guys like that, that they've recruited on the offensive line over the years. And, and so you didn't have a lot of proven tackle depth and, and it remains to be seen how, how much of an adjustment some of these guys will face going from an offense that was, that was pro style, a bit more methodical to this up tempo pace that, that Scott, that, that Josh Heupel runs that, that you're going to see, three plays a minute sometimes uh, on average in, in a game. And, and that's, a, that's a breakneck pace that these guys are not used to playing. And it's going to take some uh, improvements in conditioning. It's going to take some, uh, some guys being probably a few pounds lighter than they are in some cases. And so this is a guy that they feel obviously fits that system at 315 pounds. Again, you're not, you're not going to see them play in 270 pound offensive linemen to fit that scheme or anything, but you are going to have to see them get, more athletic in some cases uh, at the tackle spots in particular, I think. So it, it makes sense from that standpoint. And obviously a guy who can step in and, and maybe give you some some experience and, and, and a chance to play right away because he'll have two years of junior college ball under his belt. But one interesting wrinkle about this, because of the COVID-19 pandemic, the junior college season has been postponed yep. until the spring. 
in most states across the country. I think Mississippi was maybe the only state that truly had a season in the fall. So his, his junior college is still playing this spring, starting next month, actually, and he's going to play. Um, they've got an eight-game schedule as of right now. So he's looking at the possibility of playing eight games between March and May, and it's pretty late in May that his season ends. It's March tw- or May 20th or 22nd, something like that. Then he would potentially go to Tennessee shortly after that, depending on exactly when he enrolls, and then turn around and start another season about three months later. So 20 football games in a year, potentially, if he were to actually play for Tennessee on the field this year. That, that's, that's some physically demanding stuff that we're going to see uh, unfortunately, some experimentation with that uh, from high school and, and, and junior college players across the country this year, making that transition if they're playing in a state where that's happening. But that's happening for him, and maybe he gets better. Maybe he shows some things this this season. We haven't really seen him play in games since 2019, so it'll be a good chance to kind of see where he is and maybe how, how good of a chance he has of stepping in and playing right away at Tennessee. Yeah, I'll be honest. Before we go to break here, I, I, I want to be honest. I, I don't hate that he's playing in the spring. And, and I, I understand that some health concerns from that. I, I do totally understand that. I don't want to be insensitive to that. You know, that's certainly a concern, uh, but this is a guy who hasn't played, you know, in more than a year. So, and he gets a chance to really kind of show up at Tennessee. If he stays healthy during his Juco season, he gets to show up in pretty good game shape. Yeah. And that, mm-hmm. that, that helps you if you're a Juco guy and you want to step in, at an SEC program, even one that even an SEC program that's down, if you want to step into an SEC program and compete for a spot right away, what do we hear all the time about JUCO guys? They show up and they're not in shape, and, and that's because, uh, and you're seeing it maybe a little bit less more than you used to, but but they don't have the same facilities, they don't have the world class facilities, they don't have you know the 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 dietitians and all these health experts making them specialize smoothies after every workout. You know, not every place at the JUCO level has things like that. So it, it's a different brand entirely. But you hear you hear this all the time about guys not showing up. Well, this is a guy who, if he stays healthy, knock on wood, will have played eight games, and he'll be able to step in, I think, for workouts and show what he can do. And I think that, to that part of it, I mean, you know, what's that old, what's the Bruce Arians uh, line, no risk it, no biscuit? I mean, it's a risk, but it's one that could pay off. Yeah, I'm with you on that. It might. He's essentially got a chance to arrive in midseason form. Uh, now, on the flip side of that, obviously, if he suffers an injury, yep. it might kill his hopes of playing as a, as a first-year player at Tennessee before he ever gets on campus. You don't want to see that. So, if you're Tennessee, you're probably going to be a little nervous watching him play this spring, but... Uh, it's a guy that still wants to play, and, and, and you can't fault him for that. You can't fault the junior college for uh, certainly being okay with that. They, they've invested two years in him to develop him to, to kind of get this year of peak performance out of him. Um, I, I will say some, some interesting comments. I talked today with his offensive line coach uh, over at his junior college, and, and he, uh, he said Jer- uh, Jeremiah Crawford was really a guy that he was kind of one, he was one of three offensive linemen at his high school in Kansas that, that that particular junior college signed in that same class back in 2018. Uh, I'd say you probably don't see that very often, no, especially in Kansas. Yeah. But, uh, but three guys and the other two have already gone on to FCS programs. Jeremiah Crawford at the time was kind of a throw-in. Um, he's, he talked about being at a basketball game uh, where they saw at least Crawford and maybe maybe one or two of the others playing and, and saw – saw the athleticism there, saw some upside, but he was just kind of the third guy that they said, okay, what the heck, let's, let's try him out. And so he comes in in red shirts while the other guys, the other two teammates of his played as freshmen at, the, at, at Butler. And, and so he comes in after sitting for a year, starts at right tackle. And now 
you know, the other guys have gone off to FCS schools and the guy who was a throw in essentially as the third lineman from his high school is now going to an SEC school and is uh, six, five or six, six and 315 pounds. And looks like he's got a ton of upside still. And his position coach says he's got first round upside kind of talent. Now we'll see about that. And that's a junior college position coach saying that I'm sure he's, you know, maybe looking looking at it through through a, a somewhat biased uh, which, perspective. Which which last but. chance you will show you is quite a wide breadth of possibilities. Sure, sure. So so you know, take that for for what it's worth. But I I, I they know they know talent over there. They see good linemen in yeah. that league in Kansas. Uh, a lot of defensive linemen go to the SEC from there. And to to hear that kind of that kind of talk, that's uh that, that that's interesting to, to hear that at least that he's got that much upside, that much untapped potential. Uh, and that's exciting. So that even if he doesn't play right away, you know, this is a guy with three years of eligibility when he gets to Tennessee, because this is a free year for everybody at junior college at the junior college level too. So he gets there with three years, even if he doesn't start right away, this is the guy that's got so, some real potential to help you the next couple of years. And if you're, uh, before we go to break, if you're one of these four people like me out here who wants to know where the hell is Goddard, Kansas, I would charitably call it a suburb of Wichita. Perhaps um, would be would be a way of putting it. It's just on the yep. it's just outside of Wichita. Uh, it is in uh, Sedgwick County, Kansas, uh, which means it's down there near Wichita, basically near the Oklahoma border. Almost, it's a town of four thousand three hundred and forty four people. So for that Ooh. town to have three uh, Division One linemen on the same high school football roster, there in the same class in the same class. That's that's. Pretty impressive. Take your hat off, Goddard Fighting, whatever your name is. That's, uh, that's uh, or I guess they could be a county school. I didn't really notice, but wherever they are, regardless, uh, good job there developing some guys. So there's plenty to talk about. We're going to come back. We're going to go to break, pay some bills, listen to products, ads, uh, services, all that other good stuff. Come back, talk about Tennessee's new kicker and sort of where things are uh, overall with the roster right now. And I say new kicker, he'll have to come earn that spot. Um, but clearly this is a guy who will come in and have a chance to do that. Talk about that in just one second. Hashtag ad. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. 
Welcome back to the GoVols 24-7 podcast, brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard. During that commercial break, Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio, Ryan Callahan coming to you from across town in his clown car full of children abode, and I just spilt water all over my lap, and that's okay. Got to play through it. What is what is it? Sixty three effort. You gotta you gotta play through it. You just gotta you just gotta keep going. Full something about yeah. Uh, I was like, Tennessee fans could have gone the rest of their lives without hearing sixty three effort again, probably. But ah, come on. Sometimes when you are where you are, you gotta laugh about things a little bit. It keeps you sane. That's just my opinion. Some people might be driving off the road now, but that's just my <laughs> opinion. Got plenty more to talk about in this episode. Before we do that, though, uh, just throw out a quick reminder. Uh, please, guys, take a minute out of your time right now. Please, if, you, if, you, if you're not driving your car, if you're driving your car, just go ahead and drive the car. If you're not driving the car, let's say you're you're at home, let's say you're at the office, let's say you're working out, whatever you're doing, take a second, take a, not a second, take a minute out of your day. Please rate and review this podcast, and please hit that subscribe button, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, anywhere in the world you can cast a fine pod, you can find the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Uh, and we love you listening, no matter how you're doing it. Um, but if you can do that and also hit the subscribe button and then leave a rating and a review, that will help us out a lot. That helps the algorithm. That helps add wolves to our wolf pack. And, you know, tell us what you like. Uh, if there's something that you'd like to see better other than my voice or someone else's voice, which none of us can change, if there's something else we can do, uh, let us know. And I'll give you one example really quickly. Uh, sometimes on here we go through stretches where I'll play interviews with, with coaches and players and other people. Sometimes they're exclusive interviews. Sometimes they're uh, just group interviews from a game or, you know, a practice or whatever it is. And, you know, I get a lot of opinion divided on some people love those things and get upset when we don't have them in there. And then some people think they're boring and they skip past them and they just want to hear us talk because they can get those interviews other places and they just want to hear us do some analysis on it. So I'd like to hear more opinion on, you know, do y'all like these or, you know, would y'all like to see us uh, not play those? Th- those are the kinds of things. Um, or if there's certain guys you'd like to see us track down, whatever you have in mind, just let us know. This is a community thing. We're not doing this for ourselves. We're doing this for y'all. So let us know what you like. And uh, really quickly also, uh, right now, if you go to the site, Ryan, I believe it's 60% off right until uh, for a couple more hours. We're releasing this on yep. Wednesday night. J- just until midnight Eastern time. So if you're if you're hearing this Wednesday night, you still got time. If you don't hear this until Thursday or later, uh, you just missed out, unfortunately. But it was up for the past uh, several days. So, yeah, uh, if you're if you're late on that, um, that sucks for you. But if you're listening to us on Wednesday night, you still got a couple hours to go do that. And I'll remind you at the end of the episode, everything you get for signing up to go boss 24 seven hint. It's a lot of stuff. Uh, we talked about Jeremiah Crawford, Tennessee's somewhat surprising, uh, offensive line signee, or at least surprising, uh, to us, uh, you know, in the first episode, we, we certainly, um, by the time it, it was confirmed, we had had that for a while and we were working on it. So we weren't just completely bombarded by it. Um, but going into the day, bit of a surprise, new staff, you don't know what they might be thinking. You don't know some guys they might kind of have in reserve there to, to, to bring out that that's one thing you don't know. And, and I'll tell you this, that that's a theme that you're seeing right now, because you can tell how far Tennessee went outside the family to, to bring in, uh, Danny White as the athletic director and to bring in Josh Heupel as the football coach um, because you are seeing a lot less rumors on which direction they're leaning on this, which, you know, makes it more of an Easter egg hunt for us. Uh, but that's fine. We don't mind doing it. You know, that, that's what we paid to do. We, we're happy to go do that. But you're seeing this now. These guys are doing a pretty good job. And I know there's been jokes about, hey, they don't want leaks and they're sending out memos and all this other stuff. 
Um, but in reality, you're seeing a lot less rumors in general on, you know, kind of which directions they might be leaning, which maybe they're avoiding um, some certain agents who, who get their, their client's name out there, you know. But it's not just that. It's also in recruiting. Um, they're surprising some, some people out there. They are. And that, the interesting thing about that is in most years, you can coaches leave a, a, a trail because they're on the road. Yep. Uh, and yep. that's what's so different about this year is that uh, the only real trail they leave sometimes, and even that is not always, is in who they follow on Twitter and things like that, or who they're retweeting or liking tweets from. Uh, you didn't even see much of that with the staff so far. The other thing about it is Josh Heupel doesn't have many guys on staff so far. Uh, true. Even the ones who... Kind of, it's it's kind of like it's kind of like the Bugs Bunny cartoon when he's playing every position. Yeah, uh, I, I've been told that none of Tennessee's assistants have signed contracts so far, which is a really fascinating angle to this that I I don't quite have an explanation for right now why no one is under is under contract just yet. Uh, but things seem to be on hold for pretty much everything in some ways. Um, they've got a few guys who seem to be helping them out. Uh, Glenn Ellerby, the looks like he's going to be the offensive line coach. He was involved in recruiting Jeremiah Crawford. Um, uh, uh, Alex, Alex Golish, the, uh, was the co-offensive coordinator and tight ends coach at UCF. He was involved in recruiting him as well. We think those guys are going to be on staff. Uh, we have a feeling that a couple others are going to be following him from UCF and, and maybe the entire offensive staff by the time it's all said and done, including, uh, the recently hired wide receivers coach, Cody Burns. He looks like a real possibility, uh, to ultimately replace T Martin once that whole situation there with T Martin is sorted out. But yeah, because those guys aren't really officially on staff, they haven't even changed their Twitter accounts to show that they're on Tennessee's staff. They're not doing necessarily as much as you would see. So there's just not much out there to track. And in some cases, that allowed them to fly under the radar in this first week on the job where obviously they're recruiting new players we're not familiar with. And in some cases, that made it easier for them to, to go undetected a little bit. And uh, I, it is interesting because you're, you're certainly, you know, you're, you're seeing um, just things become a lot more under the radar, which in this era, that's really hard to do. You know, I mean, it just is even in the, you know, we're in a COVID year and COVID times. And I, I get that. And, you know, as Ryan said, they're not on the road. So that makes it difficult. But also, I mean, they're just, they're going outside the family. Uh, They're really changing some things up over there. And if you were one of those people who said, you know what, just get new blood in there, just whatever it takes, get new blood in there. Well, Tennessee's done that. Tennessee's done that. So now did they get the right new blood in there? Time will tell, but uh, certainly, uh, some new guys there. It's certainly a lot of new faces uh, for us to learn uh, as as we're able to get over there more, and hopefully the world opens up a little bit. We can get these vaccines and get going. Um, but it's it's certainly new. It, it's it, and like you said, Ryan, the, the lack of staff hires so far. Some people are calling it a concern. I don't. I'm not going that far. I think it's interesting. Um, I also think that if you don't see some movement on the defensive staff. Because uh, we know it's just a matter of time on most of the offensive staff. We know who those guys are going to be unless something mm-hmm. crazy happens. We know who they're going to be. So that's not an issue. But if, if, if things don't move relatively quickly after National Signing Day on the defensive side of the ball, then I would say get concerned. Right now it's just, nah, you know, it, it's an interesting time to make a hire um, later than you'd like to do that. So maybe they just want to get through signing day. Um, and, and that may not just be because other coaches have jobs and they want to convince kids to sign other places and they don't want to, you know, you know, kind of screw over their, their previous uh, 
you know, places. I don't think it's anything like that as much. Maybe it's some of that. But I think it's more probably just they've been on a scramble trying to look through the portal, trying to look for guys they might be able to, to add late, like Jeremiah Crawford to the class. Um, there's been other things on Heupel's plate also. And yep. maybe now that signing day you know, is officially sort of done and dusted now, we'll see if, if things start moving quicker on that front, and I bet they do. Uh, speaking of the, uh, the, the transfer portal, Ryan, as we've said for – for a long time now, uh, the portal door does swing both ways. Uh, it seems like uh, it was just sort of an exit ramp uh, for people leaving the Tennessee program recently. Um, but Tennessee has added some guys this way. Uh, Hendon Hooker, certainly the quarterback from Virginia Tech. Um, they were going to add Big Cat Bryant. Well, you know, obviously things are, are, are different there. So, so you never really know. Um, but right now, Tennessee has announced as signed Chase McGrath, who, um, honestly, if, you, if you're kind of a Pac-12 after dark guy and you've watched uh, USC, you know, the past few years, you've seen this guy. Uh, this guy's a pretty good kicker. He showed up uh, from a really powerful modern day program there um, in, in Southern California, and, and is a is a um, a really good kicker. He showed up as a walk on, but he was named their walk on of the year. He eventually earned the starting spot. 2019, he was uh, All Pac-12 third team by some people, um, which is sort of like being why would you have a third team? I don't, you know, even a second team sometimes is stretching it, but that's okay. That's not the point. Bottom line is but, he's pretty solid. By the way, Wes. Well, I was going to say, Utah and Colorado would like a word because I think this is the second time you've called them the Pac-10 during this podcast. Man, so they, they feel a little left out. I really, We ought to have the family feud wrong answer buzz. I really ought to be adding <laughs> that in there. Pac-12. I'm trying trying my, my damnedest to remember that. Yes, Pac-12. You know, I, I still slip up on Texas A&M not being part of the SEC sometimes. I'm still not used to that. And it, maybe I'll, get, I'll completely get there someday. But like sometimes when I'm trying to rattle off all 14 SEC teams, that one's the last one to come to mind because I'm like, oh, yeah, they're in the SEC. So yeah. it, it happens. It is different because you're seeing a lot more geographic space. The, the footprint of the league is a lot different. Like in the pac 12 let me get that right um you know they've had to make those kind of flights for years so that's not not much of an issue but for the sec certainly it's a little bit different um but this kid uh mcgrath he, he was the 2009 usc special teams player of the year and he probably would have you know still be at usc if he hadn't gotten hurt this year he had some i think it was some tendonitis issues uh, someone mm-hmm. else came along and took the job he kind of got wally pipped um, but he's a good kicker and he put his name out there and he saw waited for an opening and then boom you got some aggly leave in tennessee um, that's a good place to go give it a shot. Yeah, it's it's funny how this worked out. Tennessee ended up losing a guy in Brent Samaglia who did not have a good senior year this past uh, this past season or first senior year senior year I guess you would say um, did not have a great year because he was hurt because he was dealing with an issue that he had yep. to kind of just kick through and do the best he could and they end up replacing him because he looks like he's on the way out in the transfer portal and and certainly you would think. You know, that is one thing people kind of wondering are some of these guys in the portal for Tennessee maybe coming back. I think Tennessee's signing a kicker to replace uh, Brent Samaglia already tells you that door is probably closed. I don't think you would go to this to take this step if you thought Samaglia even possibly would return. So with him being gone, though, you're, you're replacing him with the guy who was hurt this past year, who was at least battling an injury that kept him from being the, the main kicker for USC this past season, but has, much like Samaglia, a good track record, has put up good numbers in the past, has made some kicks from 50-plus yards. Uh, it, and it's a nice pickup because he's a redshirt junior, and with that free year of eligibility, he does get two years of eligibility. So it's not just a one-year replacement. And, and that, that to me, is a big deal because I, I think it would be unfortunate to have to use a spot toward your 25 signees each year, especially when Tennessee might be facing some scholarship penalties in the near future. Um, to have to use a spot in back-to-back classes on a kicker, 
would have been a pretty tough pill to swallow. So at least now you hopefully get two years out of Chase McGrath and don't have to sign a kicker again until the 2023 class. But we'll see how that that, that works. But um, frankly, it's an interesting decision because I think some people wondered, will Tennessee try to give it a go with guys like JT Carver uh, already on campus as a preferred walk-on yep. uh, that they just added as an early enrollee last month? And you had uh, uh, Toby um, – help me with the last name. The, oh, the, the kick the, the final I, I, two games. Yeah, I, I... – it's, I'm blanking on it right now, but anyway, uh, the the walk on that was already on the roster. I think I think, I think Toby Wilson. I think season. I think Toby Wilson. Toby Wilson, correct? Yes, I, I, right. I wanted to say so. Williams at first. Sorry, sorry, Toby. If you're if you're a good if you're a GFOP if you're a good friend of the pod, we apologize for that. Yeah, the, just uh, just completely slipped my mind. Kickers yeah, have Wilson feelings too. Correct. Kickers have feelings too. They do. So you already had Toby Wilson on on the roster, and you add a guy like JT Carver. Uh, you've got a couple internal options there, and you could have maybe pieced it together with one of those guys, whoever won the job, along with the long distance guy, maybe in Paxton Brooks, who could, you know, you could you could say the winner of that job handles everything from 45 or 47 yards in, and you could let Brooks try the longer kicks. They could have gotten by maybe for this year. So it was an interesting decision to me to go ahead and sign a kicker. I definitely don't blame Tennessee for wanting a more proven, uh, reliable kicker going into this year at least having another option that's, that's been on scholarship and, and been good in a major conference. But uh, it, it is interesting given all of Tennessee's needs and, and how few spots they have left, because I, I could make a case for Tennessee taking a defensive back in the transfer portal. Still, I could make a case for Tennessee adding a defensive lineman, a linebacker, certainly if Henry Toto and Cravaris Crouch don't come back um, for, for another, obviously they, they just took an offensive lineman. I could make a case for another wide receiver with this offense. Tennessee is switching to, uh, that obviously is going to be receiver dependent uh, with, with with how much they throw the ball and spread the field with four receivers. So you could have added a lot, and they chose to take a kicker, which I think tells you how important they feel this is. So interesting move. Don't blame them, but uh, I'm sure some people might look back on this in, in several months and say, man, that spot would have been really interesting to have if they could have found someone at X position because Tennessee is going to be short on depth somewhere and, and kicker. It was a need, but so were several other things on this roster. Yeah, and I want to talk about that in a minute with numbers, but but before we do that, I, I do want to mention, and it's it's potentially a little bit awkward. There's no doubt that this is going to be somewhat awkward, but the Rock Taylor situation is out there now. Uh, it ends up being Tennessee. He did not sign with Tennessee. He ended up going elsewhere, and that was a decision made largely by Tennessee at the last minute. And, and there have been a lot of people um, really kind of throwing Tennessee under the the bus for this. And, and I, I want to add a couple of things to this. One, um, I, I don't – I don't think Tennessee handled this as smoothly as it should have, if I'm being honest with you. Uh, even though it's a new situation for a new coach, it probably could have been handled a little bit better, uh, just being candid about it. Um, but this was a guy who could have signed with Tennessee months ago, and the previous staff also um, was not, you know, w- was not really wanting to take that, that, that signing then. So I don't know that it's fair to completely just pin all of this on Tennessee's new head coach I just that there's something about that kind of rubs me the wrong way Ryan am I wrong about that feel free to tell me if I am no I, I think I think that's exactly right I, first of all as you as you point, correctly point out um, Josh Heupel while he has far less than a full staff uh, helping him out right now is having to wear a lot of hats and juggle a lot of things he's trying to interview candidates for defensive coordinator and other positions on staff he's filling other positions that you know they, they don't have a recruiting office right now they've had to go out and get 
guys to fill out their recruiting office, which is that, that's a more important position than people would realize to kind of help out with some of the day-to-day stuff yep. uh, that you have to do to, re- to recruit. So they're, they're doing a lot of those things. They're recruiting to finish out this class. They're recruiting to finish out the 2022 class. And frankly, when he got to Tennessee, I, I don't think Tennessee really considered Rock Taylor to be part of this class, even though on our commitment list on 24-7 Sports and elsewhere, Rock Taylor was still listed as a Tennessee commitment because he had never decommitted from Tennessee. Nothing had changed as far as anybody else was concerned because he had not announced a change. Um, but Tennessee, I, I think, essentially had mostly moved on internally uh, under the former staff. We made it clear around the early signing period that the three guys who were unsigned uh, at the time, Colby Smith, Rock Taylor, and Jordan Mosley, all were not expected to sign with Tennessee, and that obviously ended up being the case. Um, I even made this point earlier today. It was pretty obvious to me based on Jeremy Pruitt's track record, even if you were not aware of that, uh, of what we had said about the situation. Anybody that Tennessee has had committed during the Jeremy Pruitt era who did not sign in December did not end up signing with Tennessee. So it's pretty clear once you don't sign early, and that's true of a lot of schools, I think, you probably should start looking at other options just in case, at least have something on the back burner. So I would certainly hope this didn't come as a surprise the way it's being portrayed as, as being a complete surprise to Rock Taylor and his coach down at, uh, at Oxford High School in Alabama. And, and I know I've mentioned I don't think there was really much contact between Tennessee and Rock Taylor for several weeks. Um, there may have been some here and there. I think there was a reference to a conversation maybe a couple of weeks ago which someone kind of traced back and said, well, that would have been when Tennessee didn't have a, have a head coach. Correct. So maybe there was a, maybe there was a conversation around that time where, you know, his coach or someone called an assistant coach at Tennessee at the time and asked the situation and a coach during that time might, you know, might not choose to really say much and just kind of leave it status quo and say, yeah, you're fine because you want to let the new guy have his say. Uh, so I think the mistake on Tennessee's part was probably not, not finding out about that situation and nipping it in the bud the first couple of days on the job, you know, just go ahead, reach out and say, Hey, I don't really know you. I've looked, you know, I've looked at the situation. I, we've got very few spots left. We just got to move on in a different direction. I, I've not really been recruiting you. I don't have that yeah, relationship. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I want to be clear that I, I, I'm not, yeah. I, I'm not giving Tennessee a clean bill of health on this, but I, I think that we've seen to me, a surprising number of people, come out and mention things about it that are not in the state. I guess certainly people in Alabama w- would feel free to opine on this because it's, it's one of their own. You know, he's an Alabama kid. But I, I just, you know, I, I don't think that this is 100% the fault of Tennessee's new head coach. And, and I, you know, there I, maybe some more will come out about this later. I'm sure at some point the, the way this has been blown up now, Hypo will probably be asked about it at some point. But I, I just – I think – Tennessee right now is an easy target, and Tennessee makes itself too easy of a target sometimes. So it's kind of easy to kick Tennessee right now while it's down. But I don't think that means every single thing Tennessee does is a horrible, stupid, terrible thing. Uh, and I, I just I don't know that this was – I just don't know that it's fair necessarily to pin all this on Hypo. That was my only point there. Yeah, and, and, and I agree. And, and so, yeah, you could, you could certainly fault Tennessee's new staff to some degree for maybe not just taking care of it sooner to give Rock Taylor a little more time. Maybe they weren't aware that he was completely in the dark and, and expecting to sign with Tennessee. Uh, but it, there was no contact with Josh Heupel's staff from the day he was hired last Wednesday to until Tuesday when his coach reached out and, and wanted to know, you know, about getting the letter of intent so he could sign. They were, there was in that six day span, not a word between the two parties from what I understand and what, and what Rock Taylor told me as well uh, on Monday night. So which the is fact a, that, that was the case, which is a two way street. 
Yes. And so after a couple of days of silence, if I'm Rock Taylor, I, I'm willing to know much sooner than Tuesday, hey, what's what's going on? Because that, I, and this is where just recruits sometimes don't, as much as their coaches are, are well aware of a lot of things in recruiting, even the most experienced coaches sometimes will make, not maybe not make mistakes, but not maybe not fully realize things like this. But, you know, it, it's, it's always been said to me, you know, when when someone's not recruiting you, um, or you're committed to a school and you're not hearing from them, it's been several days, you probably need to check in and see if there's a problem because there usually is. There, there's usually, it's usually an indication that the school's having some second thoughts or maybe it's starting to move in a different direction. So I, I think there was probably enough writing on the wall that Tennessee had done what it could to kind of start to move on in a different direction. Rock Taylor just didn't. And he ended up signing with Memphis, uh, I think that's a pretty good spot for him under the circumstances. You know, if he'd had more time to look around, could he have found a, a power five school? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. He, he has some academic concerns, I think, and, and, and maybe even other concerns. I'm not sure, but I, I think there there's enough there that Tennessee was certainly justified in not signing him. And, and he certainly can't fault the new staff for not taking a guy on that short of a timeline, especially that there's really no relationship with. Yeah, and I think that that's probably a good place to leave that discussion because I think we needed to mention it, but I think we needed to mention that there are layers to this. And oh yeah, and I think it's just it, it's hard because sometimes, like in the world of Twitter and everything, it, it it can be hard to put nuance and perspective on things. And and that's frankly an area where the podcast can be uh, of use. You know, you can you can help sort of yep. de- describe the sort of you know hundred layer dip that is recruiting and, and uh, things that go on in there. There's a bunch of stuff going on at all times. Well, and, and to that point, I will say this is the kind of thing that happens every year across the country in recruiting. This is not an unusual thing. Tennessee is not the only school that's ever done this, not even close. And usually these things are handled quietly behind the scenes and the player just decommits. I'll give you an example. It happened in Tennessee's class this year. Um, Tennessee essentially I think Jordan Mosley was well aware of the situation Uh, maybe he picked up on it maybe he had a frank conversation with Tennessee at some point they chose not to sign him early and he was not going to sign with Tennessee the four-star receiver from Mobile Alabama instead of making a big deal about it and and you know whining publicly about the fact that Tennessee hadn't talked with him recently or whatever however they got that point across he just decided to decommit from Tennessee on the day Jeremy Pruitt was fired wiped his hands clean end of the story moved on and he didn't make a big deal about it, but I think he kind of knew he was not going to sign with Tennessee, even if Pruitt had stayed. So two different ways of handling the situation. I think there were very similar situations in how Tennessee tried to handle them. Uh, And it's a school, Oxford high school is a school where you don't want to burn bridges. You don't necessarily want to have to have that conversation and say, we're choosing not to sign him. It's usually easier for coaches, even though it seems like maybe a cowardly way out in some ways, it's usually just easier to kind of let the two parties drift apart, not talk, and then let some other school that's more actively recruiting him sign the player and, and things kind of happen naturally. So it's something that happens all the time in recruiting in that context, I think is very important in that discussion. Yeah. Sometimes you try to sweep things under the rug and sometimes it ended up, it ends up causing a mold that, you know, is a problem. Yeah. It just, it, it happens sometimes. That's just Frank fr- being speaking, frankly, that's just kind of, kind of the way it is. And Ryan, I think there's a couple other things, two more things that we should probably know before we get out of here. One it is interesting to me is that Tennessee, you know, is still, um, you know, and we'll see how things end up if some guys leave or whatever, but right now still has a top 20 class. And when you consider uh, just sort of everything 
that's happened in the past month and beyond that. You talk about the the, uh, the issues uh, that, that popped up starting, you know, late in the season when there were some some issues, the team was struggling, and then you put on uh, the day of the A&M game when Eric Gray can't play and – you know, you got some other issues going on, and then there's talk about, you know, what's how serious is this investigation? Then it comes out that, okay, it's serious. Jeremy Pruitt's being fired. And then, of course, you go on a search, and then you have to put it off because you have to do a new athletic director search first. Bottom line is there were a lot of reasons why this class could have just completely self-destructed. And without the December signing period, I'm guessing it probably would have. But the way things worked out, Ryan, Tennessee, let's, let, let's look at this two different ways. Look at South Carolina's class today. South Carolina yep. uh, went through this whole process much, much sooner. You know, they, were, they got rid of Muschamp or whatever. They, they, they brought in Beamer. They, they got things going a lot quicker. And they ended up signing 13 people with a class ranked like what? Where's, where was it ranked last you saw, Ryan? Like around 100 or something nationally? I mean, just something it, crazy it was, for an SEC program. Yeah, it was, it was low, but I think it's moved up some. And I, I, I would throw Auburn in that discussion too. That was a, a, a staff that had to take over a half-filled recruiting class, and they had a lot more spots to fill on, on National Signing Day because they just didn't have um, a, a anywhere close to a full class and just had to fill some spots uh, because of what they inherited. So, yeah, you could have been in either of those situations or somewhere in between, and it would have been pretty ugly for Tennessee if this if this had gone differently. But coming out of this with a 16th-ranked signing class, is honestly, it feels kind of almost like a coup, you know, uh, to be to be honest. And if you you know, and let's not let's not get this twisted. Tennessee's got a lot of rebuilding to do, and the the losses in the portal are, are going to. I mean, that's like punting that thing back at least another year. I mean, let's let's just be frank about where things are. But let's also look at the fact that Tennessee, I think it's easy to lose this in the shuffle, still got a number 16-ranked recruiting class out of this. That's, that's, it, it really could have been a hell of a lot worse. It, it could have. And, uh, and, and, and to your point, it's not done just yet because uh, during these transitions, then we have not seen one of these before really at Tennessee in recent memory because most coaching changes happen before signing day and the early signing day is kind of a new animal still. Uh, we saw the early signing day be a real challenge for Jeremy Pruitt because he took over 10 days before it started uh, or, or a little less than two weeks before it started. And in this case, it maybe helped Tennessee. I think it definitely helped Tennessee, as you said, because you, you held on to some guys that you probably would have had some trouble at least holding on to if this had happened before that early signing period. On the flip side, you now have a couple guys at least, and we'll see if any others join them, who are not wanting to stay with Tennessee. Uh, we know that Dylan Correct. Brooks, the top 100 edge rusher from Alabama, wants out of his letter of intent. Uh, Cody Brown, the four-star running back from Georgia, also has indicated he wants out. So as long as those two stay, uh, you know, I think, I think Tennessee would like to introduce them to the new staff and let them at least have a conversation about Tennessee's plans for them before anybody makes any final decisions, especially Dylan Brooks, you know, an edge rusher, fits in any system. Tennessee's not going to want to lose a guy like that. Um, but I think he's he's kind of set, I think, on, on leaving and probably will end up at, at Auburn uh, if everything stays uh, as it is right now. So that that's something to watch. And then, you know, will anybody else join those guys? But at the very least, Tennessee could lose two four-stars, two of the higher-rated players in this class. Um, I, I don't think Cody Brown is a great fit for Tennessee's new system, so that one's probably not the end of the world. He's a, a bigger running back going into a wide-open offense that's going to be in the spread a lot. Um, you're, you're just not going to use a guy like that very much probably in, in, in this new system. But Dylan Brooks w would be a blow. So if Tennessee loses those two guys, 
they'll drop a few spots, but even then about a, a number of what, 20 class or so, I think we've done the numbers still, on that. Yeah. Out of, out of all that, it would still be a top 20 class. Yeah. So that's, it certainly could be a lot worse to your point. And that's uh, it, it, uh, under the circumstances. I think you'll take that any day. And on top of that, Tennessee still has a couple more spots, at least to, to add a couple more guys post signing day, whether that's junior college guys, transfers, um, you know, Heifel's already mentioned that, that the junior college season being played in many states in the spring will give them a chance to maybe see some guys emerge that could help them at different positions. So you've got some options there, but the transfer portal especially, and, and you still could add more help that could make that class a little bit better than the ranking might even suggest because transfers aren't really counted into it right now. So it's not a bad class overall and still some good players in it that I think will help Tennessee right away. Ryan, you took the last question out of my mouth um, so quickly before we get out of here. What It's always tough because people always want to know numbers. And, and to be honest, guys, sometimes it is hard to get an exact counting of numbers. It's just – let's just – I'm just being honest about it. Sometimes it's hard to know, okay, did this guy get put on scholarship? Is this guy staying on scholarship? You know, it can be tough to figure that out, especially if schools don't really want that out there, and a lot of times they don't. So, Ryan, what do, you, what do we think right now – in terms of numbers that Tennessee possibly has, a ballpark figure, and and where might Tennessee be looking? Is it just best available? Or are there certain areas where you think they just they gotta go do this right now? They gotta find somebody for this spot. So so there's a there's a complicated answer to this to this uh, yes. question, of course, because uh, yes, of yes. the but because of the players that might be released that we're talking about, because if they are released from their letters of intent, Tennessee would be able to replace in a way. Dylan Brooks and Cody Brown and anybody else who would want out of their letters of intent. So there, there's still an op- opportunity for Tennessee, Tennessee to add maybe more than a couple of guys in this class, depending on how all that shakes out. But as of right now, Tennessee has 21 signees or, or enrollees. There's one player who didn't sign, but already is enrolled Anderson Kobe junior college wide receiver. Uh, you add the, the offensive lineman, Jeremiah Crawford today, that gives you 21 signees along with two transfers who have already either signed or enrolled. Uh, and, and obviously Hendon Hooker and, uh, and the kicker that they just added, Chase McGrath. So 23 players total on scholarship. That leaves them with two spots. You've got a couple spots left, and we know if you look at our commitment page right now, Big Cat Bryant still listed on there, the former Auburn edge rusher. He's still a commitment until he says otherwise, but right now I would not count him as being in Tennessee's class because there's a real chance he still ends up elsewhere, um, and he is not signed or enrolled. So that one's still very much up in the air. I think they'll take those two spots on somewhat of a best case uh, or best player available situation. But I, I do think they will uh, look for some guys at, at, at a few different positions. I think maybe receiver still a possibility, maybe tight end still a possibility, depending on how, how, how much the staff prioritizes that. But I, I think, you know, that's at least one you don't rule out. Um, but I still think the biggest needs might be edge rusher because obviously Dylan Brooks losing a guy like that, you're down to one edge rusher in this class and that's Byron Young the junior college signee. So obviously if big cat Bryant doesn't address that need, you still could go out and get an edge rusher. I think that's a, that's enough of a need to go ahead and try to address that. And then I would still look to, to maybe address the secondary, but I, I could see the secondary. You could see linebacker because of Henry Toto and Kavaris Crouch. You could see defensive line. Even I, I think defensive line probably a little bit down the board now, uh, which is hard to believe given how much of a need that's been for Tennessee for two or three years. But you know, secondary linebacker, edge rusher, to, to me, those those needs on defense kind of stand out. But if there's an impact player out there on offense, I think Tennessee would probably kick the tires on them too. So it's kind of, when you're down to a couple spots, it's got to kind of be best player available to some extent. Yeah, and there's there's no way to give a smooth answer to that. So I, I tried to tee up the question saying, 
Yeah. Listen, I know this is a super complicated answer, but let's at least explain to everyone why it's a super complicated answer. Because I think that that's fair to let people know where if yeah. we're, we're going to be vague about something, a lot of times there are reasons for that. And the reasons for that in this one is because there are so many moving parts that you, you can't, you, you can't know. I mean, the tides could take this thing in any number of directions. So, so I don't yeah. know. So, um, yeah. and, and well, I think, the, the simple answer for now is two spots, but, but obviously depending on how, how things play out with Dylan Brooks, Cody Brown, anyone like that, those guys indirectly, they can be replaced this year, but it's my understanding Tennessee cannot sign. Uh, if they, if those guys ask out, for instance, you don't get that letter of intent back. Um, so anyone you would add at that point would need to just enroll it, rather than signing a letter of intent, not a huge deal when you're talking about transfer portal additions anyway, but those guys would just have to come on to uh, come on to campus and enroll instead of signing a national letter of intent. But I, I don't think you'll see Tennessee sign many more, if any more high school guys, even post national signing day. I think it's going to be all probably all junior college and transfers from here. Uh, if I had to guess with any further additions, but yeah, they've got room for at least a couple and potentially more depending on how, how many players ask out of this class. And some guys might want to be transferring after spring practice too from Tennessee, either yep. leaving or coming to Tennessee because there might be new coaching staffs at other places where a guy wants to see how things go for a spring, but then after spring he goes, oh, no, what did I do? I got to leave here. So a lot of things could be in play. And honestly, that's why you keep going to GoBoss247.com. I mean, that, because things move at such a rapid pace uh, that you got to stay on the site sometimes. You got to stay around to know what's going on. So if uh, I guess that's a, that's a good way to say, guys, stay with us because there's always a lot that we don't know about. But uh, every given day, um, there's a lot more that we do know. So appreciate the time, Ron. You got anything else? No, just uh, like you said, stay tuned because uh, with at least two spots and probably more, this uh, this transfer portal situation is probably not going to be completely – the door will not be completely closed on that for quite some time. So I think it's going to kind of be a lot like Jeremy Pruitt's first year when you had Brandon Kennedy coming on in the summer. You know, you're probably going to see things play out into the spring and summer. And it's not a bad thing for Tennessee to have some flexibility this year with that, uh, with that being the case and having so many needs. I agree. I will retweet that. Thanks, Ryan. Appreciate it, man. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you, Wes. And thank you all for listening. We appreciate it, as always. We really, really do. We say that all the time, um, and we really, really mean that. Thank you for joining us on the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. Patrick Brown's P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. And Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey at Twitter. Twitter.com slash Grant Ramey. If you want just Tennessee news, nothing else, you can go get that at Twitter.com slash Go Vols 24-7. You can also go to Facebook.com slash Go Vols 24-7, which is updated throughout the day, uh, pretty much every hour on the hour now. It's just sort of sort of how that is. So plenty of stuff there. But if you want the best, most delicious East Tennessee Spring Mountain, just beautiful Smoky Mountain water, delicious Smoky Mountain water, go get that at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets to get coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball, where those guys have four preseason All-Americans, and they're pretty much a consensus top 25 team going into the season. Tons more coverage of them coming in the in the, in the coming weeks and months. Also, Lady Vols coverage. They've had to take a couple weeks, or, or at least a brief pause, unfortunately, missing a couple games now because of some COVID stuff. But uh, when they're back, and even uh, while we're waiting on them to come back, there's coverage from Maria Cornelius. Tons of good stuff there. Always, you can go to the checkerboard on Go Vols 24-7 or the Summit 
two forums that are open 24 hours a day, seven days a week to have uh, discussions with us, ask questions of us on staff, and also uh, just kind of commiserate around a, a, a local local water cooler like you would in the office. But uh, in the digital world, it's a little bit different in the COVID world, but you can do that uh, digitally at GoVols247.com. And just about one of us is up just about all times of the day. So tons of good stuff there and tons of good discussion with other Tennessee fans. And you get all of that for just a ridiculously low rate, less than one cheap, mediocre lunch per month. That's all it is. Why do I say that every week? Because I'm trying to tell you that's how good of a deal it is. Go check it out. And right now, if you hurry before uh, here a couple more hours, you can get in there for 60% off of your first year's annual subscription. Uh, so this is a good time to do that. Uh, but if you missed that, hey, still, you can come by. It's always a good time. We've always got a good deal. Sign up. Check it out. And if you pay us the full rate uh, for a subscription, the full annual rate, uh, which is still really, really reasonable, you get free access free access to CBS All Access, which will become platform, uh, which will become Paramount Plus soon, but that will be even more for you. Uh, so right now, you got every show CBS has ever made commercial-free, every single one. Uh, you got new movies in and out every every single month. Uh, you got live sports, uh, SEC sports, so there's Tennessee sports, Tennessee football, basketball, uh, SEC football, basketball, March Madness, NCAA Tournament, UEFA Champions League, UEFA Europa League, PGA Tour, NFL, World Series of Poker, just all kinds of stuff, all kinds of stuff. So go do that. That's a $100 plus annual value we are putting in your pocket. Take advantage of it. Until then, guys, you should hear from us uh, maybe by Thursday. So uh, that shouldn't be too long from now. But until then, wash your freaking hands. Be freaking nice to each other. Wear your freaking masks. Let's get through this. See you soon. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.